Okay, friends, Easter season is upon us. Today is Palm Sunday, and let's jump right into the text. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside on the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered, Jesus had told them to. And then the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Jesus entered and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I love Mark's take on the lives of Jesus because they usually move pretty fast. And as I was reading and preparing for this in, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, my mind went back to November of 2021, 20, uh, where I actually got to, I wasn't on a donkey, but we made the, the journey from Jericho. Uh, huge climb. Jericho's 800 feet below sea level. And to my count, that's the lowest city, village on the planet going all the way to Jerusalem. It's a 3,800 foot climb. And when you get to the top of the hill and then you have to go back down into the city, when you get to that climb and you look down at Jerusalem, it's like in this bowl shape, there's hills and mountains all around the city of Jerusalem. This isn't being dramatic, it's breathtaking. And Jesus did this journey at least once a year because the scripture in Luke tells us that, that he would go to the Passover with his mom and dad. It was their custom. And just coming over this hill, I imagine that the smell of the food there for these, these Passover customs, oh, guys, the food in Israel, the food, like wafting up and seeing the beautiful city there, absolutely breathtaking. And I'm, I'm having all of these thoughts and memories of just the significance of seeing the Temple Mount and trying to put myself in, in the shoes of Jesus and his disciples, seeing the place where God had chosen to physically take up residence on the planet. All of these different areas around the city of David, like the, the history there, even in Jesus' time, would have been overwhelming. And Mark would have been familiar with these stories. And as I'm reading through Verses 1 through 11, it struck me that half of the story, the way Mark tells it, involves Jesus getting a donkey. Could have talked about the Temple Mount, nice little tourist sites around the city. No, he's talking about Jesus, God incarnate, getting a donkey. Why does Jesus get the donkey in such a strange way is one of the questions that popped into my mind. Like... If Jesus, if everything was created by Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus, he could have just spoke a word and created a donkey out of thin air. 
So that's one question in the back of my mind as I'm approaching this passage. And then further, why does Jesus even need a donkey or anything for that matter? But if we look closely in our time together, these questions show us something that we might otherwise miss about Jesus. And these answers inspire us and invite us to respond to Jesus from the inside out. So let's take a look at it today. Uh, first of all, like the need for the donkey. Then we'll talk about the provision or how Jesus got the donkey and, and what this text invites us into today. So first of all, seriously, why does Jesus need a donkey? Well, to put a little context, uh, Israel had been had no king because it was occupied by Rome and Rome would not allow the Jewish people to have their own king. And the Jewish people resented the Roman Empire for, for the, the lack of independence and, and also the government that had been set up. Like Rome had a governor and then there was kind of this puppet leader in Israel. And the Jews at that time deeply resented being a puppet state. Uh, and there had been all these prophecies in the scriptures before this. Uh, the prophet Zechariah talked about when, when, uh, when, when Israel is going to be liberated by this long-awaited Savior. He talked about how this would happen. And uh, he talked about in chapter 14 that this deliverer would appear on the Mount of Olives in this just really vivid imagery of him telling them, okay, when, when the one God is going to send appears, he's going to appear up there on the Mount of Olives. And then a little bit further back in Zechariah 9, verse 9, he talks about how the Messiah, the chosen one, would ride the donkey to Jerusalem. And he says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here, here's our text telling us, and Mark's pointing out that Jesus is coming from the Mount of Olives. He's coming just like King Solomon did, humbly riding on a donkey, and people were thrilled. They saw these images. Whoa, Mount of Olives, donkey, Jesus, like nobody was unclear about the message. The Jews got the imagery and they're shouting. In response to this, this is the one, all the things that they shouted, Hosanna, which means God save us and like urgently, like save us now. Here it goes. We're, we're going to drive Rome out. They're ecstatic. They got the message. Also, the Romans got the message too. Five days later, they crucified Jesus. Five days later, they put the, the sign above Jesus that said King of the Jews. Everybody knew that what was going on here and what's what uh, stands out to me also is that uh, Jesus needs this donkey in contrast to the way he gets around the rest of the, the New Testament accounts of his life. In scripture, Jesus walks everywhere. And he's walking, like Israel's roughly the size of New Jersey, walking from one side of New Jersey to the other. And Mark is going out of his way here to show us that Jesus is too poor to own a donkey. And he needs a donkey because Jesus needs a donkey to show the world that he's the king God sent to rescue the people. And the people got the message. So let's take, take a moment and talk about the provision of the donkey, how Jesus got the donkey. 
And I picture as they, they get into these, these towns outside of Jerusalem, Jesus gathering his disciples to the side. All right, guys, I'm gonna need some transportation to Jerusalem. It's kind of like the vibe of, I know a guy. <laughs> There's a donkey. <laughs> it's gonna be here and you're gonna bring it to me. And if anybody, if anybody gives you a problem, it's like, ah, the Lord, the Lord needs it, he'll send it right back. And I think it's important to point out, like this is 2,000 years ago. Like there were no Teslas driving around. Like a donkey was valuable for work, on a farm, for carrying stuff, if you're a trader, for even as transportation. Like it's not a far stretch to, to think of this in terms of like, Jesus is basically saying like, hey, go and go to this parking lot over here, <laughs> open the door and start driving the car away. If anybody asks you like, hey, what are you doing? Say, the Lord needs it, I'll bring it right back. And that's, that's, that's the key that opens the door in verse three. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Oh, the Lord needs it and it'll be back here shortly. That's the key that opens the car. And what's crazy is it works out exactly like Jesus predicted. They go and find this donkey tied to a door and they're untying it. And the story plays out just like Jesus predicted it would. And I was reading commentaries and, and I'm not talking about politically liberal, but the theologically liberal folks will say like, well, Jesus, Jesus was no dummy. He went ahead and prearranged for this donkey and the theologically conservative uh, commentaries talk about Jesus having a divine knowledge. And you guys can discuss that as much as you want. I'm not gonna die on that hill. I, but I wanted to like think about this for myself and, and come up with my own take on it. And taking all that into account, looking at this over and over again, I wanna point out and want you to notice that the owners of this donkey or the people around asked, why are you doing this? If it was prearranged, Probably no. Like, oh, you're the ones Jesus sent, right? Like, there's a sense of surprise there. So my take on this is this is another time Scripture reminds us that God has ways of knowing things that are beyond you and they're way beyond me. And I can't imagine being the disciples going, I can't believe this worked. So maybe, maybe God's asking you for something. How, did, how, do you, how are you responding? Now, what is God asking of you? Your time, your talent, your treasures, an attitude. Maybe it's, maybe it's your heart and your affections. Maybe God's asking you to reprioritize or recalibrate some things in your schedule, some, some words that come out of your mouth. What, what's God asking you? Maybe it's a good thing. And God's saying, I need that. And, and we feel like saying, well, God, wait, it's brand new. Please don't take that. I just got it. Today, Jesus is saying, open your heart to me. The Lord needs it. And that's going to be different for every single one of us. But think for yourself. Maybe if you're taking notes, jot, jot down. What is God whispering into your heart now? What is God saying, I need that? Because there's good news in this text. The next part of that verse is, the Lord will send it back. This is a new kind of king we're dealing with. The, the, the folks in this village where the donkey was, the original readers of this text would have picked up on this. This is a new kind of king. The Lord sends it back. Wait, what? You hear the scratch on the record? Like, wait a minute. No, because commandeering something would be nothing new for an empire. All throughout scriptures, 
These empires are not painted in a positive light. Egypt, Babylon, and now Rome. If the people in power needed something, they would just take it. And, and especially Israel was used to this. The Romans were famous for having these giant packs, like 75 pound packs, and saying like, I need your donkey to carry my pack, or I need you to carry my pack. And you were obligated to carry it for one mile with no thought to which way you were actually going. You could walk a mile in one direction, the opposite way you were going, carrying this heavy pack, and you've been commandeered. And then you set it down and you have to walk a mile back to pick up your journey. This was just normal day-to-day -day life for them. And it wasn't just Egypt, Babylon, and Rome that abused this power. There were times when there were wicked kings over Israel where they would commandeer things. There's a, there's a, a narrative in scripture talking about King Ahab and he wanted this vineyard, but the owner wouldn't sell it to him. So his wife killed the vineyard owner and they commandeered the whole vineyard. And here in Mark chapter, 11, uh, Mark chapter 11, we see this massive contrast. The Lord needs it and will send it back. I think this is Jesus' way of saying to these people, like, I have every right to this. I have every right to keep it. Jesus could say, I made this. I thought up the concept of a donkey, but I give it back. That's a different kind of king in 2022. That's a different kind of leadership. The empires that we have now, the people in power that we have now, I don't see a lot of that around. That's why Jesus is over any form of government, any form of power and control. Jesus shows us the way to do it. He says, I take, but I give it back. I use things for my own purposes, but like the old saying goes, I was in the South, uh, working in the South for most of my adult life. And they always say, you can't, out, you can't outgive God. Like, and it's true. You can't outgive God. The last fascinating part of this uh, is how Jesus gets the donkey. Like, that he needs a donkey in the first place. It's an oxymoron. You know, like those words that when you put them together, they form a new concept, but they're two opposite words, like jumbo shrimp, fresh frozen. Like scripture itself tells us in Psalm 50, 10, and then again in verse 12, it says, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I love uh, verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. God doesn't need our stuff. Jesus didn't need this donkey. Jesus made the choice to empty himself, leave the comfort and safety of heaven, empty himself and come to human as, as a poor day laborer's son and become a day laborer till he started his ministry. He was playing by our rules. And this is so hard for me right now to not introduce and inject some sort of matrix type of story. Like Jesus is playing by our rules. He doesn't need a donkey, but because he's here and he's emptied himself out and is so humble, in this moment, he needs a donkey to accomplish God's mission. So the invitation for us that this text has, I want you to think about the perspective of the owners of that donkey years after this. Maybe they're reading Mark's, uh, Mark's letter. Maybe they're reading accounts of, of Jesus' life or talking about it. 
and they look over and they see the donkey that Jesus rode on. Maybe they're like, man, I remember that day. Someone just came up and untied it and I just knew, like in my heart, when they said the Lord needs it, I knew it was the time and I, I something in me and I'm so glad I, I, I let the donkey go and they brought it back. That is a new kind of king. I'm never selling that donkey. Maybe you've shaken a celebrity's hand and said that. Like, I'm never, I'm never washing this hand again. But imagine having the Messiah, the king of the universe, sit on your donkey. What in your life do you sense Jesus saying, hey, I need this. Doesn't need it, but he needs it. So God can accomplish his mission and there's also a lesson for you in it. Think about it from the perspective of the donkey owners before this. Remember the whole new car thing? Like think about, like if you have a new car, never been driven, new donkey smell, I mean new car smell. Someone says, hey, Jesus need this. I I need to drive to the next city. Don't worry, I'll have it back. I'll have it back before dinner. If it was me, (laughs) no way. You're not taking my new car. You're not in my insurance. And I'd had all these reasons. I don't even know you but Jesus needs your car, what about this? What if they said, Jesus needs your car because he's driving into the city to die for you? That changes everything, that changes a lot. If we know that that Jesus needs this car to go and rescue God's people, that changed, that's a whole different picture. What's God nudging you to give up today, to turn over control of today? What's God saying, putting his finger on going, I need this. Is it something negative like control over your life, which you don't have, by the way, anyway? Your future, you don't control that anyway? Was God saying, just give me that. Come on, I I, I need your trust right now. Is it maybe resources? Maybe you've just come into, uh, you've been saving and and God's saying, "I, I need that. I need you to give it to that person or to that project. No guilt, no shame. What's God telling you? Or Back to the, the negative things. Maybe you've got this grudge that instead of like a new car or a new donkey, it's this old, beat up, nasty, flat tire grudge that you've been carrying around for decades. God's saying, I need that. Give that to me. I'm gonna redeem that. I'm gonna heal you. Maybe it's being right all the time. God's saying, I need that. Maybe it's having the last word. Maybe, it's a, a hurt, maybe it is a hurtful habit that you've cultivated over the past few years and God's saying, no, my son, my daughter, now's the time for you to finally give me that. I'll take that. You don't need that at all. That's hurting you. When you give God anything, a whole new world of possibilities can open up for you. Possibilities that you would never, ever dream up. I picture God sometimes listening to all of our internal conversations about what God wants from us. Oh, you want me to do that? Uh, I don't know. God, that's, I, I, no, I, I want to keep that for myself. I picture God going like, guys, I've got your back. Humanity, I've got everyone's back. I'm not going to leave you out in the cold. When we give God our obedience, and God gives us back. You know what he gives us back? He gives us something better back. We get an unreasonable peace when we obey God in spite of our circumstances. When we obey God, we get a countercultural contentment 
that people from the outside look look in in our lives going, I don't know how you have how you're content right now. What is that about? When we give our whole life over to worshiping God, not just on Sunday morning and not just with singing. In return, you know what we get? We get a deep, unshakable joy. That's the invitation to you and me today. To say, to respond to God, oh, you need this? Okay, I'm gonna trust. And not, not just in a transactional, I'll give this to you so you'll give me back something better, but just with a, a pure childlike heart going, I trust you. If you need it, I know, I, I trust you, God. And then, right now, let's just have a moment where we listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's take a, a deep breath, and I wanna invite you to close your eyes and just do an inventory of your heart and your life and listen. What's God saying? I need this from you. In this moment, solid ground, let's open our hearts to what Jesus is, is asking from us. And let's look forward to Jesus proving in our lives, in our families, and in our world that Jesus is a different kind of king. Dear Heavenly Father, as you're speaking to our hearts, we thank you that the sheep shall know your voice. Help us to recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd in this moment. And right now we turn over all of our lives to you. You're in control. What do you need from us? God, in this moment, we, we give it to you. God, the things that we've been carrying around that we never even should have had in our lives, we are trusting that your mercies are new every morning. We turn away from those things, we release those things, and we pick up your burden, which is easy, and your yoke, which is light. We ask that you would give us a deep, refreshing, soul-level rest. And we thank you for your example. And we are putting our trust and our hope and our, in giving you our allegiance that, and trusting that you are a different kind of king. Please help that reality to sink from our heads to our hearts. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. Easter Sunday, next Sunday. So until then, uh, we're praying for you. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on sgbic.com. Uh, don't forget to share our social media posts, whether it's YouTube links to these, to these gatherings or our posts throughout the week. Uh, we also have a prayer meeting on Tuesday on Facebook. We love to have you join in on that and check in on how you're doing. And I love it when you pray for each other in the comments. That's so cool. So until we're together again, May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. When you hear God's voice saying, I need that, may you know that we serve a trustworthy God and a different kind of king. And may God give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.